0: Well, I remember um, walking into the Olive Garden and sitting down at my table. I remember opening up the menu and looking at it, not really sure why. It's always soup, salad, and breadsticks for me. <laughs> maybe I'm not the only one. All right, and so I'm looking at the menu, and have you ever had that feeling where you just feel like someone's looking at you? Okay, maybe not. All right, so, so th- there I am, and I, I had that feeling, so I slowly glance off my menu, and I look right over the top, and I, my thoughts were confirmed. Someone was looking at me, and as I glanced over, I saw the blonde hair, and I saw some of the most beautiful blue eyes I'd ever seen in my life, and I think she knew she had me. I would slowly put my menu down, and I would look into her eyes, and I would just clear my throat. throat) Can I help you? And she's like, Daddy, will you play tic-tac-toe with me? (laughs) You, You know... You know, the little, whoa, man, whoa, you know, the little children's match, you know, they got like the little tic-tac-toe things. I was like, baby, of course I'll play tic-tac-toe with you. She's like, daddy, what color do you want? I said, baby, whatever color you want me to have. She was like, well, here's the green one. And she was orange. And and she started chuckling and I hadn't figured out why until I reached out with my green crayon to put my circle down for my turn. And she had already put XXX with a line, I won, daddy. I was like, you little stinker. Thankfully, on that placemat, there's two other games on there of tic tac toe. Daddy did not go down without a fight the next two. I'm pretty competitive. And then over to the other side of this little placemat, it was one of those little maze games. You guys have ever seen those? There's one area where it says start, another area where it says finish, and then there's like nine blocks, you know, roadblocks that kind of keep you from getting to the finish line. Of course, I let her go first, and I I love her. I bet she hit like every one of those nine roadblocks until she finally made it to the finish. And by the time she made it there, you weren't even exactly sure which way got her to the finish, you know? And, And then she was like, Daddy, now it's your turn. So I took my green crayon, although... I didn't put my crayon where it said start. I put my crayon where it said, yeah. So I start there. Very easily do I make my way back up to start in one easy transition. Of course, Abby goes, Daddy, that's cheating. I'm like, sweetie, look, there's no rules on the thing that says you have to start where it says start. I was like, I started from finish. It's just smart, baby. And she's like, Daddy, you that's not fair. I was like, babe, look, come on. It doesn't say where you have to start from. You just have to connect the start to the finish. Now, I'm willing to bet that when it comes to decisions that we have to make in our lives, wouldn't it be a lot easier if we knew the finish now? I mean, c- come on. I can't, we, we have all kinds of crazy decisions that we have to make All the time, right? You know, it's like, all right, what school do I want to go to? What classes do I want to take? Oh, am I gonna move here? Am I gonna move there? Am I gonna take this job? You know, am I, you know, do I date him? Do I date her? Do we go on a second date? Do we get married? Do we rent? Do we buy? Do we refi? I mean, you know, and then that may not work out. Do we bankruptcy? And it's like, do I want fries with that? Do I want it supersized? Not if you've seen the movie, you know. I mean, we have all kinds of crazy decisions we have to make all the time in our lives. And I don't know if it's, if it's true for you, but I know it's true for me. There are many times I have made decisions and I have hit a roadblock. And I'm like, Ugh. if I had known the finish, I think I would have made a different decision at the time. And maybe I'm not the only one in here today that that's happened to. So today we're just going to go there. We're just going to go, and we're going to to look at some of the words of Jesus. In one of these areas of our lives that it can be so tough to navigate sometimes, and Jesus doesn't leave us hanging. He's going to give us the finish and how to get there. And maybe by learning from this teaching of Jesus, maybe as we leave here today, we can start making better decisions with the finish in mind. So go ahead and open up your Bibles. We're going to be in Luke chapter 16. If you are new to Christ United, we want you to make sure, bring your Bibles. Um, we want you to have God's Word. If you don't have one over here at this um, booth on at the end of the service, you can get one for free. We just want you to have your Bible. It's so easy. You can even download it on your phone. It's a free Bible app. It has never been easier to have God's Word at literally your fingertips. So get your Bible. If you're worried about, oh, where do I go? I don't know how to use it. We will tell you how to get everywhere so you don't have to worry about anything. We'll tell you things that you can circle and highlight and Underlined. So when you go back and read it for yourselves, you can start to feel the presence of God speaking to you through His Word, which is what it is going to do. So Luke is in the New Testament. The Bible is broken up into the Old and New Testament. Go about two thirds way toward through your Bible. Look for the guys' names you can pronounce. Okay, all right. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. All right, they're big books towards the back of the Bible. Luke chapter sixteen. This is a good story, or I like it anyway. So he called in each one of his master's debtors, and he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, because he ain't going to be around too long. Make your bill 450. It's like, all right, today only half off sale. And it's like, whoa, hold on. I mean, seriously, how many of you would just love for like half of your debt just to be wiped away? Yeah, right? Wouldn't that be really cool? Imagine if, like, half the equity you had about eight years ago is back. I mean, that'd be really cool, right? I mean, so this guy, he's like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm about to lose my job. (laughs) I don't want to dig. I don't want to beg. All right, I got to do something here. So he takes what he's got at the time and starts slashing stuff. He was like, all right, hey, sit down. Half off for you. He's like, sweet. And then he goes to the second one. How much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him... Take down your, take your bill, make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. What? Come on, I can't be the first one that whenever I read this, I'm just like, what? Gee, hold on, gee, you're just saying that the rich owner just commended the dishonest money manager. And and I've always, I mean, we we always believe, hey, we need to, you know, not, you know, take things out of context. We need to understand what is Jesus saying in its context. And I think it's absolutely clear what Jesus is saying here. If you are a follower of Christ, if you are a Christian, it's obvious what you do when reading this passage. No matter what you do as a job or whatever it is you do to, to earn anything, we should obviously start lying, stealing, and being deceitful. It's clear, right? Some of you were like, best day of church ever! <laughs> Let's pray. No, <laughs> I mean, it's like, "Whoa, hold on. This must be one of the most weird things Jesus has ever said. Whoa, he, he credits a dishonest guy for being so shrewd. Now, there's going to be some principles in this parable that we're going to bring out. So if you have a note sheet, go ahead and bring it out. Because here's the first one is, he's not commended for his dishonesty, He's commended for his shrewdness. What I don't want you to do is don't get caught up in the fact that this guy was dishonest. All right? Don't get caught up in that. A parable, what Jesus would teach with, is a simple story with a hidden meaning. That's all it is. So our job is to understand what is Jesus teaching through this parable. And he isn't commended for the fact that he was dishonest. He was commended for the fact that he was shrewd. Now, if you walked in here today and I saw you in the lobby, I'd be like, dude, what's up? You are shrewd. You might punch me, right? Who who knew? I, I, I honestly really didn't have a real good idea what this meant. And then I looked it up. And shrewd just simply means this, having or showing sharp powers of judgment, being strategic, being smart with what you've got. Now, Before we rag on Jesus for being like, all right, Jesus, look, I get that you're like the best teacher ever, and you really have a good point you want to teach us. Why would you use such a negative example? Before I start hammering Jesus on this, I've got to understand I do this all the time. I'm a I'm different in my marriage because I've seen some bad marriages. You know what? I'm a little different as a parent, as a father because I've seen some bad parenting. Right? Some of you, you're different with how you handle your finances because you've seen some really bad decisions that people have made financially. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's like, look, look, this is, this is bad dude. He's dishonest, but the principal meaning here is how shrewd he was, how strategic he was with the time he had left and what he had that was entrusted to him. And we continue The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world, you can underline that, are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. Circle, highlight, underline that. This is huge what Jesus is saying. He's like, look, the people who who are just of the world, who don't even know me, who don't even believe in me, They understand better than people who who have seen the light of Jesus in their lives on how to use what you've got to set yourself yourself up for something in the future. They're way better at it than the people who are followers of Jesus. And he's like, I'm going to teach you how to get there. And he says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. And it leads us to the second part of the principle that we need to learn today, which is use worldly wealth to invest in people, not possessions. You see, here's what happens: this guy is dishonest. Owner comes in and was just like, "All right, I want to see an account of what you've done. I don't know if it's like six months last year." And this guy doesn't sit down and try and, "Oh, well, I've done this and I've done that." He's like, "Oh, snap, I'm done." I'm going to lose my job. So with what little time I have and what I still have entrusted to my care, how can I set myself up for something in the future? So he's like, I'm going to start slashing debts that, aren't mine to, that weren't his to slash. He starts cutting things that aren't his to cut so he can gain friends for himself. So that way when he loses his job, people will welcome him into his home. It's like, you know what, when he gets back and the owner's like, all right, I got to give it to you. That was pretty good. I mean, that, that was, uh, it's not going to save your job, but I got to give it to you. You took the little time you had, what you had in that was, you had a, a little bit to it, that you had invested that you could have done something with. You used it to set something up for the future. And I got to give it to you. That was good. And he was like, if only the people who follow me did this, that's the finish. He says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself. Now, worldly wealth is not a dollar amount. It's whatever has been entrusted to our care, our time, our money, our possessions, the things that we have. So this isn't like a dollar amount. Okay, if I get here, then I can do some stuff. No, he's like, whatever it is you have, we need to use that to gain friends for ourselves. And then it says, so that, which is important. Whenever you see so that in the Bible, it's gonna connect two ideas together. So the first part is, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that, so after it says so that is going to be the purpose of why we should do the first thing. So it was like gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, this is huge. Please notice it doesn't say eh, in case you lose it. It doesn't say if for whatever reason you don't have it anymore, it says when it is gone meaning the things that we have entrusted to our care, eventually we ain't gonna have it anymore. It is going to be bye-byes. So it's like, I want you to use what you've got to gain friends for people so that whenever all that stuff you have is gone, look at this, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings, which leads us to the next principle. Our goal isn't just heaven, but to not go there alone. See, I, I mean, I think seriously, God bless you, for so many of us who would say I'm a Christian, we're like, I said a prayer, woo, going upstairs, I'm good. I'm set, I don't have to do anything else. I got Jesus, He's changed me. I'm done. Anytime, Jesus. You can take me whenever. Not today, but you know, you can take so but I think for some of us, we have that mindset. It's like, hey, we're good to go. We said the prayer, we're great. That's not what Jesus is teaching here. He's like, no, 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 no. I want you to use what you've got to help populate heaven. That's what I want you to do. So, So that way, whenever you get here, there's like a welcoming committee for you. You know, I mean, I just, I think God looks down at me. He's like, Steve, I want you to use what I've given you. And I want you to use it in a way so that whenever you get here, there's like, you know, you know, all kinds of stuff going crazy. People going hooting and hollering, being like, hey, thanks for speaking there. I'm glad for what you did here. That example it may have hurt, but I understand, man. And it drew me closer to Jesus. Man, I'm so glad. We, we actually give to um, Ricardo and our missionary in France. I bet maybe my, my wife and I, we get to heaven. There's going to be people like, bonjour. I'm going to be like, I don't even know you. Cool. Right? <laughs> But he's like, Look, look, I want you to use what you've got, and I want you to invest in people, not possessions. Because our goal isn't just to get to heaven, but to not get there alone. I mean, you can go there alone, but that's not his plan. He's like, I want you to have a welcoming committee just waiting for you when you get there. And then he goes a little deeper. He says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? And it leads us to the next point, is that if God can't trust you with what you have now, don't expect more. If God can't trust you now with what he has put into your care to handle now, don't expect more. Because for a long time, I was a true believer that only Christians should win the lottery. Right? Because I can't be the only one. (laughs) Come on, you know where I'm going with this, don't you? It's like, if I win the lottery, man, I'm going to bless a lot of people. And I think God looks down and he was just like, Steve, you're not going to win the lottery for two reasons. One, you don't play. And two, why aren't you helping people with what you've got now? I mean, because you see, this this is how we think. Come on. I can't be the only one. This is how we think a lot of times. Man, if I won the lottery... I'd, I'd start blessing a lot of people. I'm telling you, because I'd be able to, to get all this stuff for me. And then with what's left, man, I'll do some good there. And God's like, oh, Your wealth is not a dollar amount. Your wealth is what He has entrusted to your care and to my care. And if we aren't doing something for His kingdom with it, why in the world would He, would he give us any more? He's like, I, I appreciate you praying. I appreciate you actually saying, hey, you know what? I might help people if I get me set up first. It's not what he says. We're to use what we've got to help populate heaven. And there isn't a dollar amount. Okay, once I get here, then I can. No, 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 no. That's supposed to be the path to the finish line. And, and, and then he gives us the finish line. And, and it, and it kind of stings, to be honest. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one. Now, I don't know about y'all. I've got two beautiful daughters, and we teach them all the time. Do not use the word hate. That is such a strong, powerful word. Do not use the word hate. Jesus uses the word hate here. And he says, look, you, you can't serve two masters because here are the options You're going to hate one and love the other. There's no gray area, no middle ground, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. That's the only two options there are. You cannot serve both God and money, and money can also just be translated as stuff. It doesn't have to be, it does cover your money, but it's also the stuff that has been entrusted to our care. He's like, look, you, you, you might think that you love me, but it shows in what you do. And with what I've entrusted to your care, are you doing anything to build my kingdom or just yours? Which is it? He's like, look, you cannot do it both ways. It's not going to, you can even lie to yourself and get yourself to believe, yeah, I'm good to go. And we're going to see here in a minute because there were a whole bunch of religious people around when Jesus said this and it didn't make them very happy. But see, we have to switch our mindset from ownership to management. I don't know if you noticed in the first eight verses, I highlighted in yellow six different times the term manager or management was used in the first six verses, first eight verses. Meaning, I'm telling you, we just think, man, I've earned this. I deserve this. I I earned everything I've got. And that's an ownership mentality. And we have to switch our mindset from, man, this is all for me because, man, look at everything I've done, right? You might have callus on your hands for patting yourself on the back too much. And it's just like, whoa, hold hold on. It wasn't yours to begin with. It was entrusted to your care. Now, what did you do with what was entrusted to your care? Were you strategic? Were you like people of the world who know how to do this better than people who are Christ followers? Were you strategic in what I've given you to help populate heaven? Or was it all about your kingdom? And the Pharisees that heard this got really ticked off, like maybe some of you right now. Um, The Pharisees who loved what? heard all of this and were sneering at Jesus, maybe like some of you at me, but I didn't write this, okay? I'm I'm just, I'm reading it. I didn't write this. Jesus said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your... What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. God bless you. What we value in Especially in America, and it's the me, 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 and I got to have this now, and you know, go ahead and buy it, it's all for you. You earned it, you earned it, go get it, go get it, partner. That's detestable in God's eyes. Now, this is important. God never says, and Jesus doesn't ever teach anything where it's bad to have wealth, ever. There are many examples in scripture of wealthy people in the Bible. He has never said one thing negative about having money. There's always been two things connected to it. What is your heart in having it? And what have you done with it? Because I think a lot of times, especially here in America, we get this mindset of, man, and plenty of churches teach this, where, hey, if I'm good with God, everything's going great and money's rolling in and everything is, going, is rocking. It's called the prosperity gospel. And it's, and it's so not true. Because you know what? I know plenty of people who are pretty wealthy and they have no relationship with Jesus. So it has nothing to do with Jesus blessing them. I also know people in third world countries who have next to nothing. And, are so, are, and I'm telling you, they impact so many people for God's kingdom and they've got nothing. I mean, so because they have nothing, does that mean God hasn't blessed them? Heck no. But they, the question is, what's your heart and all the stuff and all the money you've got? What's your heart in it? Are you building your kingdom or God's kingdom? And what are you doing with it? What's your heart and what you're going after with your stuff? Once again, it's not wrong to have a house or two houses. It's not. But God knows your heart. And he's like, look, what have you done with what I've entrusted to your care? Now, Central, Church, um, Central Christian Church in, in Las Vegas created this video. And I just thought it was really funny. So I just wanted to show you. Watch this. There's volume to it, guys. Don't Oh, I couldn't. Well, maybe just a bite. Stress. brought the pie. I know when you watch that, some of you may have like a drive-by guilting, right? All right. Look, I'm just going by the words of Jesus here. Now, I don't know if you know this, but 25% of what Jesus talked about was money. 20, I mean, think of all the stuff that Jesus taught about. 25% of the time, it was about money. And I know some of you, you might be in here for the first time today and be like, oh, great, here we go. Another church just talking about money. Yeah, Because I want you to know the finish line. Jesus wants you to know the finish line. So whenever we lose our job and we're all going to lose our job, we're all not going to have our stuff anymore, I don't want you to be like, nobody told me. Nobody said that, you know, oh, uh, that I was actually supposed to invest in relationships. No one ever told me that. We're telling you that because we don't want you to to lose your job and be like, well, snap, there's a pop quiz I wasn't ready for. We're giving you the answer right now. So yes, every once in a while, we will talk about money because our heart is for you and for us to be as much like Jesus as we can possibly be and we can't ignore what he taught about 25% of the time, we'd be doing you a horrible disservice. Because we could hit those roadblocks and get to the finish line, and we'd be like, man, I wish I would have known. And it's just that last principle. It's, it's knowing now what I wish I would know now. So that maybe as we leave this place today, we can start making better decisions with the end, with the finish line in mind, and um, uh, it's not Craig it's uh, who is a guy it's on the bottom of the notes she don 't have. Oh um, Mark Driscoll has an awesome quote. It says, "Wealth is a wonderful tool and a horrible God, which completely talks about to our heart in wanting more, in wanting stuff and." not wanting to build God's kingdom in any way, shape, form, or fashion with what He has entrusted to our care because when we lose our jobs, all of us are going to be held accountable to what has been entrusted to our care. What have you done with it? What have I done with it? Am, Am I trying to help populate heaven? Or am I trying to build my kingdom and once I win the lottery, I'll help? Now, I want to let you know because everybody in here has been impacted by this, every single person in here. Um, I don't know if you know this. Uh, there's a guy who, um, who owns Hobby Lobby. His name's David Green. And you may have never heard this before in your life, but this was back in 2003, 2004. He bought this building and gave it to us for a dollar. You may not have known that. You may have thought, we're just a rich church and we bought this awesome building. No, we, we couldn't afford it. And back in 2003, 2004, we were actually going to build a church um, over in Carolina Forest Boulevard. You can see a sign we've got there. We actually had plans for a church to be built, and we had already outgrown the plans for the building. So we were like, well, we can't build this. And David Green found out about us, saw that this building here was up for sale, had never stepped foot in any in our church ever, and said, I'm going to do something to populate heaven because I believe what God is doing in and through this church. And he bought this, but that you, every one of you are sitting in this building. So you have all been impacted because somebody else believed this principle. That it's not about my kingdom. And we're not the only church he's done it for. But he's gone through, I mean, he does this all the time. He is such an amazing man of God. And he was just like, I want to help build that church. And he did by buying this building. Some of you, um, uh, we've recently added on to the back of our building, into the Unite Center. Some of you have been there. Some of you haven't. That's fine. Um, but there, were, there was uh, some people who believed, and I know some of you are like, why do we add on when we haven't filled these seats here? Well, that's probably because you don't have kids, okay? Because our, our children, because this is an amazing building trying to do children's ministry. We had them upstairs. We had them in the bathroom. We had them all over the place. If you've been here long enough, you know it. And we were like, we have got, if we're going to grow, we need to make sure we have room for, for families to grow. And we did to make sure we just have enough, you know, that we can. So since we have built this and, so, and some of you have helped, you know, give above and beyond your tithe to make sure we could build that Unite Center. I mean, you should go back there and see the classroom that those kids have now and go back and look at some of the pictures of what they had before. It is phenomenal. And see, now we have kids who, which we've had for a long time, who are in wheelchairs and they're handicapped, and now they can get to the backyard of their classrooms without having to go outside. How about that? We, um, s- since we opened up that building, it's not even been a year. Uh, we started doing like our, um, our Unite Nights on Wednesday nights. Check this out. 2,542 meals. This is for Unite on Wednesday of just... Helping the body of Christ come together as a family and just sharing a meal together. 2,542 meals on Wednesday nights with our family coming together. That's awesome. <laughs> Including yesterday's homeless outreach. You may not have known this. The second Saturday of every month, we bus homeless people in, and we feed them, we clothe them, we just offer fellowship, and we just try and love on them and be the hands and feet of Jesus, including yesterday, 933 meals to people who don't have food in our community. This is probably my favorite, um, and you guys probably have no idea, because um, Whenever we switched, we actually put the traditional service over in this newer building. Um, and, and since we put the traditional service over there, we've had 35 people accept Jesus as their Savior. Now, 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 before you clap, before you clap, this is what's amazing about that. Before we had that building and we had both services here, I've been a part of this church for 16 years. I'm not even going to guess, but I could probably count on one hand how many times that happened when traditional service was here. And since within a year, it's been over there. 35 people have come to know Jesus because of that. Now, here, here's the thing. Those of you who have just given so generously to making that happen, your fingerprints are on that, right? When you tithe and you give here, the things that we do, your fingerprints are on that. It's why when we do these giving videos, it's not to guilt you. It's to celebrate. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those of you who have decided whew, I'm going to use what God has entrusted to me to build his kingdom. Because, and, and, and I do, I mean, I, I give 10% and, um, and, and we will, and we support some missionaries as well. And I'm telling you, there's, there's just such a part of me. I love the fact that my wife and I, we love investing in the place that I work. I love it. I love that our fingerprints are just like all over. And so many of you, your fingerprints are all over everything that we do here. And we just want to say thank you. That's why we do the videos. It's not for a guilting. If you're feeling guilty, my guess is there might be something wrong with your heart. Because if we read some of the other teachings of Jesus, we're perfectly fine with like, yeah, don't commit adultery. Yeah, we're good with that one. Yeah, No heart issues. You know? Oh, hey, you know what? Don't kill anybody. Yes, I agree with that one. No problem there, Jesus. Hey, make sure you're using what I've given you to invest in people, not just yourself. How dare you want my money? Why is it that's the one that hangs us all up? Maybe there's something that we love and something that we hate and we don't want to talk about it. And we want you to know. We want you to know the finish line so you can start making better decisions with the finish line in mind. Because if something stings about this, it shouldn't. It's just another way Jesus is like, hey, here's how to be more like me. Because I truly believe that God can do more with my 10% that I give back than if I had 100. Because I know me, and I would know where the 100 would go to. I would get a bigger TV. Come on. I'd get a newer car, bigger house, Wouldn't use it for life group or anything, you know. We don't want to get it dirty. (laughs) Come on, right? I believe God can do more with my 10 than I could do with 100. And if we have issues with this, I truly believe it's because we just haven't completely surrendered everything to our Heavenly Father. And we're going to go into a time of worship that is, this is for you. This, the, the, you should not leave just because we start playing songs to get to lunch. We start an hour earlier now. You're good. <laughs> this is your time to respond back to your heavenly father that maybe, maybe there's something in my life I haven't completely surrendered. This time's for you to connect with your heavenly father.